Welcome to The Spirit Explodes with Roger Kirby. This is study 16 in Acts of the Apostles, drawn from Acts chapter 17, verses 1 to 34, which contain many challenges. There are many intriguing things happening in this part of the journey as the apostolic band travels south towards the great cities of Athens and Corinth. It sounds as though they did not stop for more than a night until they reached Thessalonica, the capital of the Roman province of Macedonia. Unlike Philippi, it was a free city, and in the emperor's favour, because it had been on the right side in the civil war three generations earlier. We read then chapter 17, the first nine verses. When they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As his custom was, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that the Christ had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Christ, he said. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and not a few prominent women. But the Jews were jealous, so they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob and started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other brothers before the city officials, shouting, These men, who have caused trouble all over the world, have now come here, and Jason has welcomed them into his house. They are all defying Caesar's decrees, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. When they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. Then they made Jason and the others post-bond and let them go. The verbs in this description of what Paul did are interesting. They are reasoning, explaining, proving, proclaiming and persuading. Question 1. Probably few or none of us are good at all these things, but we will all be better at some than others. Which are you good at? Here they are again. Reasoning, explaining, proving, proclaiming, persuading. Think about it. Make sure you use your gifts in your area. Question 2. The proving bit reads, proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. How would Paul have proved that? How can we do something equivalent? Paul will have done that by reference to the Old Testament, since he was in a synagogue. It would be much more difficult to do when he reached Athens and had to argue in the marketplace with people who will have had no knowledge at all of the history of God's dealing with mankind. For most of us, the problem is the same. 
How do you prove the importance of the cross and the resurrection to those who know little or nothing about it? What happens next is the same as has been happening in all the cities they visited. It is interesting to see that even without printing presses, and therefore newspapers, the news of what was happening seems to have travelled from one city to another remarkably quickly. So the apostolic band has to move on. The bail that Jason and the others had to post would be a surety that they would leave the city reasonably quickly. Now we read in this chapter 17, verses 10 to 15. As soon as it was night, the brothers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Many of the Jews believed, as also did a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. When the Jews in Thessalonica heard that Paul was preaching the word of God in Berea, they went there too, agitating the crowds and stirring them up. The brothers immediately sent Paul to the coast, but Silas and Timothy stayed in Berea. The men who escorted Paul brought him to Athens and then left with instructions for Silas and Timothy to join him as soon as possible. That Luke seems to know so much about these cities does suggest that this may indeed be where he came from. We are told that the Bereans were more noble than the Thessalonians because they examined the scriptures to see if what Paul said was true. Question 3. Of the people you know who are not yet Christians, who would be the most likely to examine the scriptures diligently? That, of course, is your answer. They should be the people you will try hardest to attract to follow Jesus. And so we come to what happened when they reached Athens. This was the intellectual centre of that world, the only equivalent in their day of a major university city of today, although it was somewhat past its best reputation. Listen carefully as Paul tries to cope with an antagonistic pagan audience. We're going to read the rest of the chapter, verses 16 to 34. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicureans and Stoic philosophers began to dispute with him. Some of them asked, What is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, He seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting in the Areopagus, where they said to him, 
May we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting. You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we want to know what they mean. All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walk around and look carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. Now what you worship as something unknown, I am going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. From one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth and he determined the times set for them, and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image that made by man's design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to all men by raising him from the dead. When they heard this about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered, but others said, We want to hear you again on this subject. At that, Paul left the council. A few men became followers of Paul and believed among them was Dionysius, a member of the Areopagus, also a woman named Damaris, and a number of others. We read that Paul was greatly distressed at the sight of so many idols in Athens. That was perhaps a bit odd, as there must have been many idols everywhere he went. Yet the extreme number of them in the city caused him to think more deeply about what they meant. Question 4. What makes you think more deeply about the sad and bad things in the world around you? If you don't, what should do so? It is so easy to get used to things like the endless sequence of nonsense on television. It needs thinking about. Paul acted. What should you do? in reaction. The Epicureans and Stoics were two schools of philosophy. 
Epicureans believed the highest human good was a quietly enjoyed pleasure. Stoics aimed to live in tune with the world around them, taking pain and pleasure with equal Stoicism. That's from them that the word comes, of course. The root meaning of babbler, as they called Paul, was a bird pecking seeds. So it meant somebody was a sort of inconsequential gossip. Uh, Not exactly complimentary, then. The accusation that he was advocating foreign gods was dangerous. It invoked memories of the most famous of all philosophers, Socrates, who was condemned to death in Athens 500 years earlier for much the same thing. Paul's speech follows the now familiar pattern most of the way through, starting with the exordium, that is, building a bridge with his audience. He says, Men of Athens, I see that you're in every way very religious. From that start, he proceeds to argue from what he sees in the city. The basic idea behind what he says is that God is a spiritual presence and what he sees around him is all too physical. Question 5. Depending on where you are coming from, what your surrounding culture is, you may be surrounded by images or completely free of them. Is your situation right? Would you be able to worship the true and only God better if all or most of the images you see were removed? Or could you do with some, perhaps a cross, to help you worship? Once again, this is something you need to think through for yourself. I cannot help you. Paul goes on to say that Jesus will judge the world, but he does this without saying what he will judge the world about. Question 6. What is he assuming here, then? He's assuming that there is enough natural understanding in everyone to show them how they should behave. He tells the Romans in chapter 1, verses 18 to 20, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness, since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being, and birds and animals and reptiles. On that basis, the world can be judged. Think of how that, perhaps harsh, fact relates to the people round about you. It is only when Paul gets to talking about the resurrection that he hits trouble. Question 7. The resurrection seemed as unlikely then as it does now. How do you argue for its reality? The honest answers in most cultures must be with difficulty. 
One possibly effective approach might be to emphasize the way it fits into history. Beyond doubt, there was a Jewish nation in AD 1. Beyond doubt, there was a Christian church in AD 100. What happened in between to move from one to the other? Something major and mind-changing. No other possibility has ever been suggested with the impact of the resurrection. Unlikely as it was, it is still the fundamental foundation point of our faith. Some people criticize what Paul did here, arguing that it was his relative lack of success that made him talk about preaching Christ crucified, foolishness to Gentiles, to the Corinthians. But it is hard to see how he could possibly have been any more successful in such a hotbed of philosophic thought, where they spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. At least a few people, two of whose names he knew, came to belief as the result of his preaching. May it be so with everything that we do in trying to promote Jesus. Thanks for listening. Come back to Partakers, www.partakers.co.uk, where every day there is something added to help you in your life as a Christian disciple. Thank you.